beside a large piece of furniture and trying to maneuver it down a hallway that it was never designed to go down. You know, we've done a whole lot of work in trying to get pieces of furniture that, that were way too big for the space that they're actually intended to live, trying to get them where they're supposed to go. And there is a, a, a strategy that we have developed. There is a, a, really a word or a thought technology, I think, that we have to get really good at when we're trying to maneuver a piece of furniture down to a place where it was never designed. And that is this word, pivot. Because sometimes you'd think, I should just be able to walk this couch down the hallway and it will wind up in the room where it was intended without any problems. But you know what winds up happening is you wind up playing multi-dimensional Tetris with the furniture and you've got to maneuver it into places and turn it around and you've got to do like 19 point turns to finally get it around the corner. And the whole time you're just thinking, all right, how do I pivot now to get the thing to where it's supposed to go? And for a lot of us, we are good at pivoting. My dad was very good at pivoting. He put furniture in places that should never have gone there. And I don't know how he got some of the stuff where he did. And we as a family, I think we've sort of inherited his ability to pivot. Some people are not so good at pivoting now. Some people can't envision getting a big piece of furniture down a tight hallway into a room where it wasn't supposed to go. Some people can't imagine how to, how to get something from a difficult location into a place. And for a lot of us, I think we need to be good at pivoting spiritually. Obviously, we're not talking about moving furniture here in the lesson. What we're really talking about is how we approach the world, how we live in this world, how we let our light shine in this world. And for some of us, we're very good at pivoting. And we're going to, I'll explain obviously what I'm talking about in just a second. But for some of us, we're very good at pivoting. For some of us, I think it's a challenge for us to make the kind of corrections when we're dealing with people, when we're out in the world, being a shining light, letting people see our example, some people have a really hard time with pivoting. What on earth am I talking about? Well, <laughs> to illustrate this whole thing, please turn with me to Acts chapter 3. I think once we, once we see what Peter does here in Acts chapter 3, I think you'll totally get and understand where we're, go where we're going with this lesson. Acts chapter 3, Peter does something really interesting. And you'll know here in this story, in the beginning, that they were going up to the temple to pray. It was the hour of prayer in the ninth hour. There was a lame man who was a, who was a man who was lame from birth. In verse 2, he was being carried to the temple, basically to the gate. And everybody who walked by to go to the temple, they saw this man. And people brought him there to this gate, the beautiful gate, uh, basically every day so that he could ask for alms. And he sees Peter and John who, by the way, if you'll remember, right off the heels of Acts chapter 2, just got done really establishing the church, just got done preaching an incredibly powerful lesson and having multiple thousands of people come to the Lord and to be baptized. And here we see in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John going out, and one of the very first interactions they have after this powerful moment is with this lame man who was begging for money. And so they see Peter and John, he sees Peter and John, and he asks to receive alms. And in verse 4, Luke records, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. 
and he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Such a powerful story. Such a powerful story of Peter and John taking up the mantle, really, of what Jesus left them to go do. They'd just gotten done preaching this powerful sermon, converting thousands of people, and now in, in a, you can just see even Jesus doing this. You could just imagine Jesus having done this, which, by the way, he did on multiple occasions. But here's what happens. Notice in verse 4, Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. Look at us. That's where Peter starts his conversation with this lame man at the gate. Look at us. And we're going to get into how he pivots in just a second, but I want us to stop before we, before we move on too far. I think there is a powerful lesson here right off the bat in what Peter does. Peter tells this man to look at us. He directs his gaze at him. He wants to, to cut through the noise. In verse 5, he fixed his attention on them. He's looking at them. He's focused on them. When we go out into the world, there's a lot of noise in the world. There are a lot of people trying to get a lot of people's attention. You turn on the news, you look at advertising, you look at social media, everyone is trying to get people's attention. And for some of us, we have a hard time telling people to look at us. I would ask you to raise your hand if you like people to give you their full attention, but you probably wouldn't raise your hand if, if that was true of you, right? Do you love to have people's full attention focused on you? Some people would say yes. Some people who are a little bit maybe off kilter would say yes. You know, you know somebody, somebody who chooses to stand up here and have everybody stare at them, well, I might answer this question differently. But believe me, in, in other moments, it is challenging to have people direct their gaze right at you. And what Peter does, in the midst of the hustle and bustle and the crowd and everything that's going on, Peter tells this man to look here. Eyes right here. Focus on me. And that seems weird for a lot of us, but I think it's so powerful in just accepting that you have you have a message to give to people. You have something that you can do to bless the lives of other people. Sean, Sean's lesson about the body, you remember the, the lesson about the body and how we all serve a function. And I think there was such a powerful lesson in that for you, no matter who you are, you have a gift. You have an ability. And here's what I want to highlight from that lesson one more time is that while you may not have a unique ability or a unique talent or a unique skill, here's what you have that nobody else has. You have your story. You have your story. I was not converted to the Lord in the same way that you were. I didn't have the same background as you do. 
you and I came from very different places, in very different contexts, and decided to give our lives to the Lord for very different but very similar reasons. Every single person, you uniquely have your own story. And so, there is value when you tell somebody to pay attention to you. And I don't think a lot of us are super comfortable with that. Because we want to deflect. We obviously want to get people to see Jesus. And that's where we're eventually going to get to in this lesson. We want people to see Jesus. We want people to, to experience the power and the transformation that only Jesus can offer. And so we may very well point people right past us. Don't look here. Look over there. But that's not what Peter does. Peter says, look right here. And now I know Peter is really, this is a, a casual sort of interaction, right? Peter isn't necessarily wanting the, the, the lame man to focus, you know, and learn a lot of lessons from Peter's life. Oh, oh, but the Apostle Paul certainly had something to say about that, didn't he? Imitate me, just as I imitate Christ. People, P, uh, Paul wanted people to look at him, investigate him, and follow him. And for a lot of us, we need to get super comfortable with that. By the way, this is how a lot of people come to the Lord. This is what a lot of people do when they see Jesus for the very first time. You go back to John chapter 4, and you see the, the Samaritan woman at the well. What does she do when she leaves Jesus' presence? She goes back to the city. What is the very first thing she starts telling people? Her story. He told me things about myself that he should never have known. You got to come see this for yourself. She does an effective pivot there, by the way. And that's really what this whole lesson is focused on. She starts with herself. She starts with her story. Look at me. Let me share with you my experience. Now you go and have an experience on your own. You'll notice even the blind man. You remember in John chapter 9, when Jesus heals the blind man who was blind from birth, and the Pharisees were just up in arms, right? They, they were investigating him, interrogating him. They wanted to know in John chapter 9, you know, who this man was who, who restored your sight. And the blind man says, I don't know who this man was, but this one thing I know, I was blind, and now I see. Here's what I want us to walk away from this lesson being okay with. Is that our story matters. Your story matters. And your story can be incredibly powerful in helping someone to see Jesus. And I think that's a, a, an especially important lesson for a lot of our new Christians. We have, like, like we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, there are a lot of people, a lot of young folks, who've given their life to the, Lord, to the Lord recently. And while you may not all understand the, the technical nuances of the, the Hebrew and the Greek language, and you may not have all the backstory into all the, you know, the judges and the, and the kings of Israel, and you may not know all the history, and you may not be able to connect all of the dots, here's one thing that you all can do no matter who you are and how long you've been a Christian, is you can tell people why you came to the Lord. You can share your story. And that's all the Samaritan woman at the well did. That's all the blind man did. And really, 
I know Peter is, is an incredibly powerful figure in the early church, but Peter is just focusing people's attention on him. He's cutting through the noise. He's getting people to stop, getting so distracted. I have something that you need. I can get you to where you want to go. I can heal you. And that's a hard thing for us to say because it's not the healing that I can provide, right? But without you stepping in and getting people's attention, are they ever going to see Jesus? It's that song we always sing, you are the world's Bible. You are the only gospel good news that someone may ever experience in their life. You might very well be the only person who somebody encounters who knows enough about Jesus and cares enough about you to pass along that message. Are we all kind of on board here? Are we on the same page? What I want us to see is that it is super important that we pivot. Because that's what Peter does next. Peter pivots. Up until this point, I think a lot of us would be a little uncomfortable with just leaving the story there. Peter had just said, look at us. Yeah, that's, that's a hard thing to swallow. But that's not where Peter ends up. Peter pivots. He starts in a very different place than he winds up. And so the whole point of this lesson is to point people to Jesus' power. But that starts with our story. So the big idea in this lesson is that our story and our example can help us connect with other people so that we can connect them with Jesus our Savior. Your story may be the starting point in getting somebody connected to Jesus. Your conversion story, your background, your connection with someone in the, in the world, someone who's lost, your connection with them may be the catalyst that gets them connected with Jesus. And if it wasn't for Peter being out there in the crowd and telling that man to look at him, that man would never have been healed of his lameness. That man would never have stood up and walked. That man would never have left that spot, he would have been stuck there unless Peter did the work of connecting him with himself and then connecting him to Jesus. So that's where Peter pivots in this story. Acts chapter 3, we're still there. And as you'll notice in verse 10, obviously, backing up to verse 8, he was leaping, he was standing and beginning to walk. He entered the temple with them. After he told him to walk, get up and walk, he took up his bed and he, he basically was just running around. In verse 8, he was leaping. And in verse 9, all the people saw him and walking and praising God. And they recognized him as one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Everybody knew this man. This man was a very popular guy. Because every time they walked into the temple, they had to walk right by this guy. And this guy was not shy about asking people for money. And so I'm sure a lot of people had to look at him and walk on by. Or maybe they, maybe they looked at him and they helped him. But a lot of people knew this man. And when they saw him up and jumping around and leaping and just excited, you have to know that they realized something had happened. Something had happened. So in verse 12, as Peter and John are basically standing there and people around them are utterly astounded, in verse 11, 
Verse 12, when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Okay, so where Peter started this whole thing was, look at us. And then what does he say? Why are you looking at us? Why are you looking at us? And that's where the pivot happens. That's where the deflection happens. That's where Peter gets involved in this man's life and says, look at us, pay attention to us. Now stop looking at us. Why are you looking at us? That's the important next step of this lesson. Because it might be real easy for us to only ever focus on Jesus, which, just a little tip of the hand, that's where we're headed. The third point is focusing on Jesus. But we might get so focused on only focusing on Jesus, only pointing people to Jesus, that we might never let people see our real lives. That we might never let people understand our story. We might never share why we came to the Lord, what our struggles are what challenges we've faced along the way. We may never open up about what we're going through or who we are or what we've done. Now here's the, 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 the pendulum that might swing too far the other direction though. Maybe we always try to make it about us. Maybe we only ever want people to look at us and we never do the pivot. We never redirect people to start looking to Jesus. That would be a problem too. And that's where a lot of people get concerned about organized religion today, because organized religion in a lot of other places is about the people. <laughs> it's about the figures. It's about the, the, the powerful speaking of the preacher or the amazing leadership of the song leader or the whatever, fill in the blank of the elders. And, and you, could, you could try to make this all about the people. But it's not about the people, is it? It starts with the people, and then the pivot happens, where we all just have to get real with ourselves and say, why are you looking at us? Why are you looking at me? I'm just here to help you get on the right track. I'm just here to connect you with the king. That's all I'm here to do. And that is exactly what happens here. It reminds me, of course, of Paul later on as they go, and they're they're being lifted up as these gods in Acts chapter 14, and they, people think they're Zeus and Hermes and you know, just some ridiculous thing where obviously they're doing these miracles and they're amazing power, and people are thinking and trying to you know, build altars to them and all these things. And what they have to do is look around and effectively say, we are just people. We're just men like you. There, there's nothing special about us. So while on one hand, and this is where the nuance of this lesson kind of comes into play, so hopefully you can play with me in this space, feel and understand the, the nuance of what I'm trying to say here this morning. Make sure people see you. Let your light shine. But don't focus on people seeing you for too long. <laughs> don't make it about you for too long. It's not about you. It's not about me, but without your story, without your example, without your light shining in this world, you will do nothing for Jesus. Are you with me there? It is such a hard thing, especially for somebody who tries to get up and speak 
from time to time. This is my challenge because I want to connect you with my story. I want you to understand why it matters to me. And so I want to share about my life. I want to explain what's going on in my life. And, and maybe as, a, as an illustration of that, my Wednesday night invitation that I gave, I was sharing some things about my life. And I had a lot of people, and I love you so much for doing this, I had a lot of people afterwards coming up and saying, well, I'm praying for you, I'm thinking about you. Well, that's awesome, and I really appreciate that. But I wasn't making it about me. It's not about me. But if I don't share my story, if I don't share my life, then all I'm doing is just being an emotionless, blank, distant figurehead, squawking about, about things that are true and right, but I'm not making a connection with people. And that's what we need to get really good at doing. If we want to snatch people out of the hands of the devil, they need to see why we care. Why do we care? Why do we care so much? Because Jesus saved us. He saved me. And here's how he changed me. Here's who I was. Here's the struggles that I go through. Here's all the difficulties that I face. And oh, by the way, let me confess to you my sins. <laughs> That's a hard one, right? Telling people about your sins, telling people about how you've, how you've struggled and, and what you've had to overcome in your life. And so we share, we open up, we're vulnerable with each other. But again, we're not making it about us. And so when people start looking at us too intently and we start, we start that pivot, we need to continue the pivot all the way so that they start with us and they end with Jesus. And that is where this story ends in Acts chapter 3. So why are you looking at us? Why are you so focused on us? And then as we see in verse 16, as he goes on, he's really using this opportunity, by the way, to reiterate the things he said in the previous chapter in Acts chapter 2. This is, this is pretty much just a rehashing of his sermon that he gave just in the previous chapter. But in verse 16, sorry, back up. Let's, let's back up to verse 14. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. That is why he's going in and rehashing the previous sermon. You asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life who God raised from the dead. To this, we are witnesses. And here is his powerful end goal shown on full display. And his name, by faith in his name, speaking of Jesus, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. That's the pivot. That's his end goal. He's trying to get people connected to Jesus. He's trying to get people to see Jesus, but it has to start with him saying, look at us, look at me. Now stop looking at me and look at Jesus. And that is really the ultimate end goal for us, is to get people to see Jesus. We're trying to get people to see Jesus. We're trying to get people to experience the saving power of Jesus, because none of us have the ability to save like Jesus has the ability to save. None of us have the ability to change people's lives like Jesus has the ability to change people's lives. And of course, you're probably thinking of Hebrews chapter 2, or Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, where he says, 
looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God, we look to Jesus. That is the goal. That is the ultimate goal. We are trying to get people to look to Jesus. But sometimes that starts with us having people look at us. And are you okay with that? Am I okay with that? Am I okay having people start by looking at me? Because it would be very easy for us, for us to just get up and share nothing about ourselves, open up in no way to people, but just point people to Jesus. And I think so many people in the world today will see that as hollow. I think so many people will see right through that today. Because so many people are peddling a hollow message. But if they can't see why it's made an impact on you, are they really going to want to divert their attention to Jesus? So we get, we get people connected to us and then quickly get them connected to Jesus. And that is, by the way, the power of the church, right? Because then we are all connected to each other as we are all collectively connected to Jesus. We are not Christians by ourselves. We're not Christians alone. We share with each other. We open up to one another. So this is not even just an evangelism tactic. This is who we are as people. Mitch said something really powerful on Wednesday night that I think I'm, I, I would like to reiterate here for you all, is that it is easy for us to put on the face, to put on a brave face, to put on a good show, and to make everything look like things are okay. Everything okay? No problems in your life? Nothing going on with you? You're all good, right? You've never experienced any difficulty? Everything is just sailing clear, free? Even Jake over here is shaking his head. Yeah. Even young people can see that, yeah, there's stuff to deal with in life. Life is hard. Life is challenging. And every one of us experiences it. So let's stop pretending like everything's fine. Let's get real with each other. Let's open up to each other. Let's be vulnerable with each other. Let's get connected in a way that helps us connect to Jesus. Because getting connected to Jesus is the ultimate goal, right? And for all of us, we can lean on each other. We can support each other. And ultimately, we can keep redirecting. We can keep doing the pivot, getting people to focus on Jesus. And we do that by opening up. We do that by connecting with each other. So that's really the lesson. The lesson, you know, next time you're moving a piece of furniture and someone has to shout, pivot! Maybe you'll remember this lesson. Maybe you'll remember that it's time for you to get connected with people so that you can connect people with Jesus. And that starts from even the youngest of us all the way up. And what a cool thing that Jesus has enabled us to have this way of, of way of influencing people, this way of sharing his good news. Because again, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have like this theological background. You don't have to have gone to some seminary or some special school to be a good spreader of the gospel. <laughs> you just have to be able to share your story with people. And your story is powerful. Your story is unique. Your story is yours. And Jesus is the one in charge of doing all the transformation. 
as Paul would talk about in 1 Corinthians, he planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. You don't have to worry about doing the rest of it. You just have to worry about sharing your part. Plant a little seed. Water the seed. God will take care of the rest. If you're somebody here this morning who has really started to germinate on that idea of coming to the Lord, if you're ready to commit your life to him, I mean, there's no better time to do it than right now. There's no better time to, to confess his great name before men, to be baptized in water for the forgiveness of your sins. There's no better time to do that than right now. If that's your need, please come. Let's just stand and sing. Someday you'll stand at the 